Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Jason Zelda here with an introduction to the Old Testament. Those of you who have been following my YouTube page notices that I've been posting the audio version of the King James Bible up. And I got the entire New Testament up finally, and now we're about to get started with the Old Testament. There's a lot of people who have been sending me comments thanking me for posting the New Testament up in audio form because a lot of people don't have a lot of time to sit back and read a book. But while we're doing our work during the day, we can sit back and put our headphones on and listen to the Word of God while we work. So it's very good to be able to do that. What I'm wanting to do now is I'm wanting to post the Old Testament. But before posting the Old Testament, it's important that we talk a little bit about the Old Testament. There's a lot of people that don't really know a lot about the Old Testament. There's a lot of stories going around about things of the Old Testament. And oftentimes when atheists attack Christians, they attacked us based upon information they find in the Old Testament. They're not fully understanding what the Old Testament is about, the stories that are in there, the things that goes on, and things of that nature. So these are the questions we're going to be dealing with. Now I have some notes here just to make sure that I stay on track. I have a lot of stuff to cover. I have no idea how long this video is going to be. But I want to cover these topics. What is the Old Testament? How do we know that we have the right books in the Old Testament? What about the so-called lost books of the Bible? There are some books that are mentioned in the Bible, such as the Book of the Wars of the Lord, uh, the Book of Jasher. There's some who think that the Book of Enoch should be in the Bible. Uh, there's other books that are out there uh, claiming to be biblical, like uh, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Judas. I mean, there's all kinds of books out there that they claim in our modern day or people saying belongs in the Bible or should be in the Bible or were kept out of the Bible for whatever reason. Uh, there are some who claim that the Catholic Church is the one that gave us the books that are in the Bible. These issues need to be cleared up. These issues really need to be cleared up. So that's what this video is going to be uh, about. So should these books be in the Bible or not? And if they're not, then why? Uh, a lot of people have put a lot of trust in a man by the name of Strong's. You heard of the Strong's Concordance. The Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. But many people have no clue who Strong's is. And it doesn't take a lot of research to find out who this man really is. And when you realize who the man really is, then you should start asking yourself, should you really trust what this man writes when it comes to definitions of Bible terms? When you realize who Strong's actually is? And when you have a Strong's Concordance today, do you even really have a Strong's? Or is it just a book that says it's Strong's? Who is the God of the Old Testament? We're going to deal with that question as well. A lot of controversy out there these days. People using all kinds of names for God these days. And I lay the whole issue at the plate of these new fake modern Bible versions. We are now two generations in. And these new Bible versions and people have forgotten the name of God. These new Bible versions were advertised as making the Bible easier to read and easier to understand. And now we're two generations in and they've dumbed the Bible down so much people don't know God's name anymore. The new Bibles have done exactly what they were designed to do. Destroy Christianity from within while claiming to be easy to read and easy to understand translations of the Bible. They've done exactly what they were designed to do. But there are still a few people that are stepping up and saying, you know what? I'm about to make some people mad. 
I'm sticking with the old book. I'm sticking with the old book. I've done my research into the new versions, and I'm sticking with the good old-fashioned King James Bible. I'm not budging. I'm staying right with it. Now, we're going to be discussing the Old Testament. Let me give you a little credentials about me. I'm a nickel and dimer. Nobody important, trust me. I don't see myself as anybody important at all. But I have taken the time. I've been a Christian for 37 years. I've never been involved in any cult, even though there's been a lot of cults that have approached me and tried to recruit me, including the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, what is the name of that group? Um, the Moonies tried to get me. The Unitarians tried to get me. The Roman Catholic Church tried to get me. Um, none of them got me. None of them were able to lure me in. Because at a very young age, when most people were out sowing their royal oats and having fun and partying it up and drinking it up and drugging it up, that wasn't me. I was sent along on a different road altogether. I didn't have many friends when I was growing up. Still don't have many friends now. Very few people that I trust, ever, because I get burned too often by people I trust. So I sort of keep my distance. And I very rarely make any alliances with anybody. So if you hear Jason Zelda's part of this group, or Jason Zelda's a part of that group, if you ain't heard it from me, I'm not part of it. You come and ask me, I'll tell you if I am or not. I found myself in libraries when I was growing up. Wasn't invited to the parties. Wasn't invited to them. This is a time before the internet. Okay, I'm in my 40s now. This is a time before the internet. Found myself in the libraries reading books like Dr. Walter Martin's Kingdom of the Cults. I couldn't understand back then why I was drawn to reading books on the cults. You know, I should be reading books about various other things, but there I was in libraries reading Dr. Walter Martin's Kingdom of the Cults and sci-fi books and stuff like that. And as time went on, I began to see why I was led down that road, because now I have posted online probably close to 25, 30 hours of video, free of charge. I don't charge anybody anything for the stuff that I'm teaching. I haven't put my stuff up for sale somewhere. If you see my stuff up for sale, it ain't me. And let me know so I can know who's doing it. <laughs> but it's no big deal. If somebody wants to post it up, just don't, don't sell it. Don't try to get rich off my stuff. I'm not trying to get rich off of it. I'm just putting the word out there. Let people know. That's all. I love preaching the Bible. I love talking about the Bible. I love this King... See, I'm making people mad. I love this King James Bible. Okay? Love this book. I used to use the new versions. Those of you who watch my videos, I used to use the new versions. I used to. I used to use something called a parallel Bible. And the parallel Bible had a whole bunch of versions in the, whole, in the Bible. And um, I began to see that the King James Bible had more information in it. The new Bible versions, they would leave stuff out. So, in my research, I decided, based upon the manuscripts, based upon the evidence, this book is the preserved word of God. Just as he promised to do in Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, where it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. You'll notice every single new Bible version has changed that verse so that God is not promising to preserve his words. Because if he promised to preserve his words as he does in here, then they can't write multiple versions of the Bible. But if they remove the verse where he's promising to preserve his words, 
as far as they're concerned, it's given them the green light to be able to go out and make as many versions of the Bible saying as many contradictory things as they want, making the Bible say whatever they want it to say. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this. I've done a lot of research into the Bible, into cults and things of that nature, and I thank the Lord for the ability to be able to take the information that I've learned and to break it down so that even the youngest among us to the oldest among us will be able to understand what I'm talking about. I don't use a lot of big words and try to you know, pretend to be super smart, but we are going to be covering quite a few things here, and hopefully it'll bring to your knowledge some things you'll understand as we prepare to dive in to the Old Testament of the Bible. What is the Old Testament? The Old Testament is a collection of 39 books that were written over several thousand years on several different continents by a group of men who didn't know each other, in many cases had never met each other. But they were all in communication with the same God who was telling them to write down the things that they were experiencing and put it in a book. And to make sure that those writings are preserved, and God promised, as I just read to you in Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, that he would preserve those words. He's not going to leave it to us humans to preserve them. He's going to make sure that as those copies were made, there were no errors. We'll deal with that a little bit later. I also dealt with it in my free video on my page called Answering the Critics of the King James Bible. I show you there's two different places where these Bibles come from. The King James Bible comes from a completely different set of manuscripts than all these other new versions that are on the market today. The King James Bible relies on manuscripts given to us by the Jewish people. That's where it's supposed to get them from. It's from the Jewish people and those ancient manuscripts that were handed down from generation to generation. The story of the Old Testament covers a lot of different topics, a lot of different things. It starts off with the book of Genesis. It ends with the book of Malachi. And what the Old Testament is, is it's the story of God. It's God's story of the creation of a universe and a creation of a planet and on this planet, he placed these beings that were made in his image after his likeness. And he had big plans for these beings. He made the heaven, and in the heaven he had these angels. And there were some of the angels that didn't like the power they had. They didn't like the position they had. They didn't like what, whatever was going on. They wanted more. So they decided to leave heaven and come down here and mess with us. And the Old Testament tells the story of what God did to intervene, to number one, protect us from them. Because they will approach us pretending to be our friends. What did Lucifer do in, in Genesis chapter 3? He approached Adam and Eve pretending to be their friend. To us today, we would classify Lucifer as an extraterrestrial being. He's not from earth, but he is a being that lives, has the ability to take on a body, and communicate with us. We will classify him as an extraterrestrial. This being comes down, starts messing around with the human race, pretending to be our friend, offering us wisdom and knowledge and endless life. And he was lying the whole time. His original plan was to destroy us. But he never told us that part. He led us down a road to sin. And from Genesis 3 forward, you have the story of God warring with these angels 
and trying to rescue mankind. It's a very interesting series of stories that make up the Old Testament. It's divided in several categories. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are the books of the Jewish law. It's not laws for everybody. God chose a specific group of people and gave them these special laws to follow. He was using them for a reason. And when you read the Old Testament, you'll understand what the reason is. And part of the reason was to fight these angels and their offspring. You'll learn about that as you read through the book of Exodus and the book of Genesis. You have history books in the Bible. That would be the book of Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. These are books of history, going through the Jewish history and the things that they went through, things they encountered, things that they did, and how they fought with God. He's trying to help them. And they had their focus on other gods created by these angels. And he would try to help them and he would prosper them and he would make them well. And once they were prosperous and well, they would turn their back on them. And when they turned their back on them, he would give them a chance to come back and they wouldn't come back. So he would send them into captivity until they woke up. And after a while of being in captivity, they would wake up and realize who God was and cry out to him again. And he would rescue them from captivity. He would bring them to a new place and then he would bless them and he would prosper them. And when they prospered, they turned their back on them. And it's a pattern going over and over and over. And his patience with us, when at any time he could have wiped us out. But he showed his patience. He showed his grace. And by the time we get to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, God is so frustrated with the human race. So frustrated with these people that he just goes quiet. And from the end of the book of Malachi to the beginning of the first book of the New Testament is a long period of time where God doesn't say anything. He was setting the table for him to make an appearance on this earth personally. The Bible has books of poetry. That'll be the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Psalms of Solomon. Books of wisdom and knowledge and things of that nature from people who experienced the highs and the lows, the ins and the outs, the people that had the power and the ability to actually experience these things and the wisdom to say, you know what, I'm going to write down a journal of the things that I'm doing, things that are happening, things that are going on and preserve this journal for future generations so that they don't repeat these mistakes. There's the book of Job. Job was a righteous man. The Bible says he was righteous. He didn't do anything wrong. Not that he was sinless, but he was righteous. He believed in God. But he was tested. And in his test, he lost his children. He lost his livelihood. He lost his flocks. He lost pretty much everything except for his wife and a few friends. He lost his health as well. You want to talk about a man who had a reason to shake his fist at God and curse God. You want to talk about a man who would have had a reason to say God was an evil being. But you know what? He went through all of this and he refused to curse God. He refused to say that God was evil, that God was wicked, that God had anything bad or any bad intentions toward him. He refused because he understood 
how God operated. God doesn't have to do anything evil. There are plenty of evil angels that will gladly do the evil. God doesn't have to do a thing. He doesn't have to do a thing. He'll just put a leash on those angels so they can only go but so far. He doesn't have to do evil because he doesn't do evil. The evil angels do the evil. Could he intervene? Sure he could intervene. Sure he could. But if he did, you wouldn't be tested. How many of you heard the term, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away? That was Job. That was his words. We would have never had those words if it wasn't for Job. What was the rest of that? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Not cursed be the evil God of heaven. No. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gave. He took away according to Job. He thought it was God taking it away from him. But he learned better. Because God confronted him later on. And basically said, Job, where were you when I was creating the earth? Where were you? Are you able to do this? Are you able to do that? Are you able to control the stars? And he mentioned star systems. Are you able to do this to Orion? Are you able to do this to the Pleiades? And he asked Job, where were you? Hmm? You think you can do that? Job had the wisdom to understand. Job was humbled by what he went through. But he never cursed God. Never called God evil. Because he knew God wasn't. And what was the end result? Uh, God gave Job double what he had. More kids, more flocks, more land, more everything. And blessed him. He passed the test. Because when he saw all this evil happening around him, he did not shake his fist in God's face and say, how dare you? He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he didn't curse the Lord. You got the book of Psalms. Many of these Psalms written by David. But there's some written in there by others. As David went through a whole lot of stuff in his life and he wrote these things down in song. The book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, David's son, Solomon, was blessed by God. Now imagine this happened to you. What if God came to you and said, of all the things in the world, what's the one thing you'd like for me to give it to you, and I'll give it to you? What would you answer to that question? Well, when Solomon was asked that, he says, well, you've made me leader over all these people, and I need wisdom and how to lead them properly. And God told him, because you didn't ask for wealth, and because you didn't ask for long life, and because you didn't ask for the death of your enemies, I'm going to give you wealth, and I'm going to give you long life, and you're going to have peace on all sides, and I'm going to give you wisdom as well. And Solomon did it all, because since he was guaranteed he was going to live a long time, he decided he was going to let it all hang out. I mean, he's the king after all. He can do what he wants. So he had the parties, he had the women, over a thousand women in the Bible, he said. That brother knows how to party. He had the alcohol, he had the big houses, the big chariots, 
the gold, the jewelry, the reputation. He had it all. Fame, fortune, everything. And he kept a journal because his goal was to try to find happiness without God. Would the money do it? Would the gold do it? Would the women do it? Would the sex do it? Would the music do it? Would the parties do it? Would the drinking do it? Would the drugs do it? And he kept a journal. And we have that journal today in the King James Bible, in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. I'm not going to tell you how it turned out. I'm going to leave it to you to read it. He also wrote the book, The Song of Solomon, a love story about a man and a woman. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And the other section of the Old Testament is the books of prophecies, the prophets that God spoke to, giving them visions of the future and the things that they wrote down. Some are more popular than others. Isaiah's popular, Jeremiah's popular, Ezekiel's popular, Daniel's popular, and then some of those that are further down are not so popular in the grand scheme of things, the way many people think about it. They don't really think of Hosea or Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Jonah's familiar. We're familiar with the story of Jonah. Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Most people don't know those names. Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zacharias, and Malachi. And as I say, at the end of Malachi, God is so frustrated with the human race, he just goes quiet. The Old Testament is filled with a lot of stories that will shock you. There's stories of love, stories of war, stories of peace, stories of battle, people who get along, people who don't get along. Um, the Bible talks about things that today we relegate these things to myth and fairy tale. The book of Genesis talks about a time when giants walked the land. Today, when we think of giants, you say that's myth and fairy tale and legend. No. The Bible says there was a time when giants walked on this earth. Now, we're not, not talking millions and millions and millions of them, but there were a few of them. As I mentioned to you earlier, Lucifer would be classified in our modern day as an extraterrestrial being. Angels would be classified as extraterrestrial beings because they don't live here on the earth, but they have the ability to come down here and interact with us. They're intelligent beings from somewhere else that has the ability to come down here. And sometimes to take us there, as in the case of Daniel, as in the case of uh, Elijah, as in the case of Enoch gets taken right up into heaven to get to see what's up there and then come back and write down the stuff they saw. It's, a, it's astonishing when you hear some of the stuff. There are some who say, well, if giants walk the earth, what's the proof? I mean, shouldn't there be giant structures around the world or some kind of evidence if these super intelligent giant creatures were running around? And there does happen to be some giant structures around the world that we can't explain how they got there. The Great Pyramid. They say it's about a million stones there. No mortar. Each stone is cut so perfect they fit perfectly within the next one. Mainly when you get on the inside of the pyramid. Square holes that are cut. Square shafts. How do you cut a square shaft? They did. And we just, to this day, with all our knowledge and all our technology, number one, we couldn't build the Great Pyramid because we don't know how. They did, because they did it. And we don't know why they built it. We still haven't got a clue why it's there. I got theories, but hey, my theory is no good than anybody else's. I ain't nobody important. But there are giant structures all over the world that we can't explain how they got there or who built them. 
But we want to say that we humans, we built them. <laughs> sure we did. The Bible says there were giants in the land in those days and after it. Something happened in Genesis chapter 6 that most people don't understand. They don't want to understand it because they don't want to believe what this book says happened. Angels that came down from heaven who had rebelled against God. They're kicked out of heaven so they can't go back up there to live. So they come down to the earth because they know that's where life is. And they come down to this earth and they want to try to create their own civilization here. But the earth was not given to them. The earth was given to the human race, not to the angelic race. So when they came down and did what they did in Genesis chapter 6, which I'm going to leave for you to read in the King James Bible, the New Bible versions changes the story. The King James keeps it the same. It tells it the way it is. When you understand what's happening in these days, in the days of Noah, I want you to remember that Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. If you don't understand what was happening in Genesis chapter 6, you're not going to understand why God told the children of Israel to go into these lands later on and to kill men, women, children, animals, wipe everything out. You're not going to understand. Because you're going to think when he says men, women, children, that he's talking human. In some cases they were because they were humans that made alliances with these beings. And if you didn't take them out, well, they're going to swing around later and take you out. They had made alliances with these beings. Think about it. Remember the story of David? David went to war with Goliath. What was Goliath? A giant. An extraterrestrial being. He wasn't normal. He wasn't human. Who was in charge of that army of the Philistines? Were the Philistines in charge of Goliath? Or was Goliath in charge of the Philistines? He was in charge of them. Because once he died, they went running. Once David cut his head off, the Philistines went running. He was the man in charge. He had came down and took over. There are some who say, well, that's just a fairy tale. That's just a myth. Well, some would have thought it was. Until a couple of years ago, we'll put it up on the screen. Scientists uncover the gates of the city of Gath. Maybe that story wasn't a fairy tale after all. Some would say if there were giants that walked the world, how come we don't find giant bones? How do you know we haven't? We live in a world that teaches Darwinian evolution. And I've told people before, 
Why do they not tell people the full title of Darwin's book? They tell you his book is called Origin of the Species, and they never tell you the full title. You can easily go online and find out what the full title of his book is. It's called On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. And some people didn't even see that. that they didn't see it because they were never told the full story of what the full title of his book is. They just call it Origin of the Species and they hide the rest of the title. But again, you can easily look it up. I'll even put it up on the screen for you so you can see what the real name of the book is. The Old Testament covers a lot of stuff, man. And if you don't understand the Old Testament, you're not going to understand the New Testament. And if you think you understand the New Testament without the Old Testament, you're missing out. So let me explain something to you. Your Bible has a left side and a right side. On the left side, you have the Old Testament. On the right side, you have the New Testament. If you have a question about something on the left-hand side, more than likely the answer is going to be on the right-hand side and vice versa. Questions for things on the right-hand side of the Bible? You go to the left-hand side of the Bible, the Old Testament, find out. So left-hand side of the Bible, Old Testament. Right-hand side of the Bible, New Testament. We're going to deal with some questions here. How do we know we have the right books in the Old Testament? There are some out there who believe there were books that were left out. They believe the Catholic Church had this great conspiracy against the Bible. And they do have a conspiracy against the Bible. But they didn't put the Bible together. The Bible was around long before the Catholic Church came along. Long before the Catholic Church came along, the scriptures were already available. We're going to deal with that a little bit later. How do you know we have to write books? 39 books. How do we know it's supposed to be 39, not 42, or 50, or 90? How do we know it's just supposed to be 39? Well, if you want to find out how many books belong on the left-hand side of the Bible, you go to the right-hand side. And you take a look to see which books of the Old Testament are quoted or talked about in the New Testament. What books on the left-hand side of the Bible are quoted from or talked about on the right-hand side of the Bible? So let's try that and see how it works out. And we'll use Jesus as one of the main people to let us know which books belong in the Bible. Is that fair? We know he's not going to lie to us. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. I got some notes here. So you see me looking down, looking at these. John chapter 5, verse 46 to 47. Now remember, we're using the King James. We're not going to use these new watered-down versions to change what the Bible is supposed to say. Look at what it says here. John chapter 5, verse 46 to 47. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. If ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? So he's giving Moses the thumbs up. He's saying the writings of Moses were writings about him. So what books did Moses write? We're going to put a chart there on your screen of all the books of the Old Testament, and we're going to put a little mark next to each one as we mark them off, as they're given the thumbs up by the New Testament. The books of Moses are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So he's given the thumbs up to those. In the writings of Moses, he worked alongside a man named Joshua. 
So if the writings of Moses are legitimate and he wrote about Joshua, who wrote the next book, the book of Joshua, then Joshua gets the thumbs up because he worked along with Moses, who already got the thumbs up. The next book is the book of Judges. Does Judges get the thumbs up? Let's see here. In Acts chapter 13, verse 20, it's telling you the story of the Old Testament. And it's talking about stories from the Old Testament. And here's what it says. After that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years till Samuel the prophet. So the book of Judges and the book of Samuel is given the thumbs up. Samuel's given the thumbs up. The book of Judges is given the thumbs up. So let's put the marks on the screen. The book of Ruth is approved in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And Solomon begot Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth. And Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. And David the king begot Solomon, after her that had been the wife of Urias. King David is also mentioned in the book of Ruth. So Ruth gets a double thumbs up by being mentioned in the genealogical line of David. And then David gets the thumbs up in the books that he's talked about because he's given the thumbs up in the New Testament as well. So which books are we covered now? King David is talked about in the Kings and in the Chronicles. So now we have Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, and 2 Chronicles. How about the book of Ezra? You go to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 12, verse 26. Those were the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Jeshua, son of Jokadaz, and the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra, the priest-scribe. So we see here that Ezra is identified as a priest and a scribe. So he was a man that wrote down things. He was basically the historian, but he wrote down things for people. So who did he work with? Because you'll learn that the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah work hand in hand. They're back to back and they're fulfilling a similar story. So who did Ezra work with that made him legitimate to fit in the Old Testament? In the New Testament, Jesus talked about the law and the prophets. And he would talk about the prophets over and over. The prophets, the prophets, the prophets. The Jewish people knew who the prophets were. They knew who the prophets were. Nobody had to go into a lot of detail to explain to them who the prophets were. They were Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah and Malachi. Those were the prophets that they knew about that were in the scriptures. You will find that Ezra worked alongside at least two of these prophets. In the book of Ezra chapter 5 it says, Then the prophets Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Idu prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel even unto them. So Ezra was a scribe that worked alongside at least two 
of the legitimate prophets that are identified in the Bible. He was the one writing down things that they were saying. So that's why his book ends up in the Bible, because he's writing down the words of the prophet. Both his book and Nehemiah gets in, because they're both working together, Ezra and Nehemiah. The prophets ushers them in, because Ezra was a scribe writing on behalf of the prophets. You see, you use spiritual things to understand spiritual things. It doesn't get much more spiritual than the Word of God. You don't have to go to other versions or multiple versions to understand the Word of God. You use the Word of God to understand the Word of God. The book of Esther is approved. Now watch this one. The book of Esther is a very unique book. Because in the book of Esther, God's name is never used. His name's never used. But it is a story about a Jewish queen whose king didn't know she was a Jew. There was a man who was right-hand man of the king who hated Jewish people. And he wanted a decree to go out to kill all the Jewish people. Well, there was a man who came along who was a relative of the queen, who informed her of what this man Haman, who wanted to wipe out all the Jews, was up to. And this lady's name, this queen's name, was Esther. And what Esther did is she had to disguise the fact that she was a Jew until she prepared the heart of her husband, the king, to be told of what Haman was planning to do. Because if Haman went through with what he wanted to do, he would have wiped out all the Jews, including Esther. So it's the story of Esther and her relative working alongside, his name was uh, Mordecai, working together to preserve the Jewish people from the evil Haman that sought to wipe them out. Now there are some that say, well, the name of God doesn't appear in this, in this book, so why does it appear in the Bible? The question is, did the story happen? Is it a true story? At the end of the book of Esther, Haman has plotted to have the Jews killed. He had scaffolds built for all of them to be hung. And when the king found out what he was up to, and that if he planned on killing the Jews, he would also have to kill Esther, the queen. The king got Haman and his family hung on. Hung them on the very scaffold that they had put up to kill all the Jews. And the Jewish people were preserved and saved. They were then told that this is to be a memorial for all generations. Every generation is to be told this story. Every generation is to understand how God worked behind the scenes to preserve the Jewish people from this evil Haman that came along to wipe them out. The name mentioned in the King James Bible of this time is called Purim, P-U-R-I-M, Purim. The Feast of Purim is celebrated every year. Let's put it on the screen. This is for the Feast of Purim 2018. During the Feast of Purim celebrated by the Jewish people, the people would dress up in costumes because Esther had to disguise herself so that they didn't know she was a Jew. And they would party and they would celebrate the fact that through her wisdom they were preserved. If this book and the story in this book never happened, why are they still celebrating this after all these thousands of years?
Well, Jews around the world are celebrating Purim tonight, a joyous holiday that teaches lessons about strength and pride in identity. So don't be surprised if you see lots of kids in colorful costumes. CBS 2's Cindy Shu explains. Hello. In the Rappaport home in Borough Park, children are wearing costumes because Queen Esther, the heroine of the Purim story, had to disguise her Jewish identity to survive, but then revealed herself to save the Jewish people. Children go house to house collecting donations for charity. We collect a lot of money for the, for the schools because it's one of the four commandments of the day. Another commandment is listening to the Book of Esther, which tells the story of Purim, and many families are bringing gifts of food to friends. When it comes to traditional dishes eaten on Purim, such as stuffed cabbage or kreplach, which are dumplings filled with meat or potatoes, the hidden part of the food has special significance. The good part is hidden and wrapped up, so we have to know that in all of nature we don't see God, but is hidden somewhere. Many are heading to local bakeries for special treats, like this huge Purim Hala. Beautiful, colorful Purim. This is going to feed a lot of people. It is. We're having, I think, 50 people coming over. And you'll find lots of hummantashin, a three-cornered treat filled with everything from raspberry to rosemary chocolate. Which is your favorite? Mine? I can eat 100 apricot hummantashin <laughs> in one sitting. Strauss Bakery only carries hamantashen for the holiday and made nearly 100,000 pounds of the special treat. Another commandment is to eat, drink, and be merry. So happy Purim. In Borough Park, Brooklyn, Cindy Shu, CBS 2 News. And while Purim ends at sundown, for many families, the celebration will continue through tomorrow. an excuse to eat some good If this book and the story in this book never happened, why are they still celebrating this? after all these thousands of years. They're still celebrating it after all these thousands of years. So these are the books we have covered. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. As far as Job is concerned, let's go to Job. Let me see here. Job. Job is approved in James, in the New Testament. James 5.11, Behold, we count him happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You know, pitiful in the King James doesn't mean pitiful the way we define it today. Words have some words have changed definition over time. It means to be full of pity. See, the King James Bible breaks words down so that you can understand them. So careful means full of care in the King James Bible. Pitiful means full of pity in the King James Bible. That's how you break it down. So the book of James gives a thumbs up to the book of Job. The book of Psalms was given the thumbs up by Jesus himself. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbathani. He spoke Hebrew on the cross. And as usual, when Jesus spoke Hebrew, people didn't understand what he was saying. They thought he was calling for Elias. Well, in Matthew 27, verse 46 and 47, it says this. Now about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani. 
That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What was he doing? He was quoting Psalms chapter 22, verse 1. He's giving the Psalms the thumbs up from the cross. So the book of Psalms makes it in. The Proverbs gets the thumbs up and the writings of Solomon is approved in Matthew chapter 6 verse 29 and I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these in Luke 11:31 it says the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them for she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon behold a greater than Solomon is here he gives Solomon the thumbs up. He gives Solomon the thumbs up. What books does Solomon write? Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Songs of Solomon. So you're seeing how the right-hand side of the Bible is giving the thumbs up to the left-hand side of the Bible. It's letting you know what books belong in there. He's not quoting from these extra-biblical books. He's not quoting from the Apocrypha. He's not quoting from any of these other books. But he's quoting from the ones that we have already. Now we get into the books of the prophets. Jesus goes into the temple and they hand him the book of, it says in the New Testament, Isaiah, which is Isaiah. He didn't say, get that away from me. Only the originals are inspired. No. He knew that he had in his hand an accurate copy of the Word of God. He didn't question it. He knew it had been preserved. And he began to read from it. He gives the book of Isaiah the thumbs up. The rest of the prophets of the New Testament are summed up in a term that is used in the Old Testament often saying the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets. And I'll put it up on the screen for you so you can see. There's a lot of times he's saying the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets. The prophets were known by the Jewish people. They already knew who these prophets were. He didn't have to go down the list of names. They already knew because these prophets had already written their material down. The Jewish people already knew who the prophets were. Let me give you their names. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those were the prophets. Jesus, in the New Testament, it would say that Jesus did various different things that the scriptures may be fulfilled. That the scriptures may be fulfilled. We just went through the right-hand side of the Bible to reveal which books belong on the left-hand side of the Bible. I didn't venture outside of this book. We have the right books. These books are confirmed by the right-hand side of the Bible. We don't need to add any more. He, he did not quote the book of Jasher. He didn't quote the book of Enoch. He didn't quote the Apocrypha. But he did quote, and others from the New Testament quoted from these books of the Old Testament. 
that we already have in our Bible. I want to talk to you about something called piggybacking. Piggybacking works this way. Let's say you write a book. And if you put your name on the book, it's probably not going to sell because nobody knows who you are. If I wrote a book and I put my name on it, it's probably not going to sell because who knows who Jason Zelda is? Who cares who Jason Zelda is? Okay. But if you write a book and you put the name of somebody famous on the book, or you lead people to believe that somebody with a popular name has something to do with that book, then that book is going to sell to various different people because they're going to think that that book has something to do with the person whose name is on it. That's called piggybacking. You can't use your name. It's not going to sell. So you use a famous person's name and now it sells. So we're going to talk about something called the book of Jasher. In the Old Testament, it mentions the book of Jasher in the book of Joshua and the book of 2 Samuel. It says, is it not written in the book of Jasher in the book of Joshua? And behold, it is written in the book of Jasher in 2 Samuel. There are some things you need to know about the book of Jasher. There was an original book of Jasher mentioned in those books. It was a history book, but it was not word of God. It was just a history book. That book was not preserved. The books that we have today that are called Book of Jasher are very well known to be frauds and forgeries. They are not the original Book of Jasher mentioned in the Bible. Now, it's one thing for me to say it. It's another thing for me to just go ahead and show you the evidence. Not trying to step on anybody's toes, because I know there are some people put a lot of stock in these books. I mean, I've taken the Book of Enoch and got it in audio form and listened to it. And it is a very interesting read. It sounds like Bible. It reads like King Jamish. They wrote it that way. With the these and thous and yees in it. They wrote it that way. If you listen to an audio form, it's got the these and thous and yees in it. But it's not scripture. God didn't say those words. And there's no evidence whatsoever that Enoch wrote anything. In the Bible, it said Enoch said something. It never said Enoch wrote anything. Show me where it says Enoch wrote something. It ain't in there. But somebody took Enoch's name and slapped it on the front of that book. And all of a sudden, people are thinking, man, this belongs in the Bible. No. Somebody took Enoch's name and put it on the book. There's no evidence Enoch wrote a book. There's a book out there called the Gospel of Mary. Did somebody show me in here where Mary wrote a book? Did somebody show me in here where Mary showed any interest whatsoever in writing a book? But they put Mary's name on it. They have the Gospel of Judas, the betrayer of Christ. They actually have a book called the Gospel of Judas, and they want us to think the Gospel of Judas is real. When is Judas going to have time to sit down and write a book? The man was a thief and a betrayer. What's he going to write a book for? It's fakes. It's frauds. They're using popular people's name to make money. 
look at what it says here. I got this here off of the uh, a website here, sacredtext.com. Book of Jasher. I'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. I'm gonna see what it's. I'm gonna show you what it says here to show you that even the people who are printing these book of books that are calling themselves Book of Jasher, they know they're frauds. They know they're fakes. But hey, they're making money, so they don't care. They're gaining popularity. They're luring people to their cause, so they don't care. I'm gonna show you something about this particular Book of Jasher that you can find online. Free. You can go ahead and read it if you want to read it. But I want to let you know where it came from first. So that you can know that this one calling itself the Book of Jasher has a little secret. That doesn't jump out at you at first. Until you look a little bit closer. Because they even admit on this page. About fakes and, fraudger, and, and, and forgeries. They admits it. Take a look. Put it on the screen. It says here, the book of Jasher referred to in Joshua and 2 Samuel. So they want to lead you to believe that this is the book that was referred to in here. Watch the bait and switch. Watch closely. Don't fall for it. Watch this. Faithfully translated from the original Hebrew into English. Show me the original Hebrew. Show me. How do you know you have an original of the book of Jasher? You would have a book that's about three to four thousand years old. Show me this original uh, uh, Hebrew in a three to four thousand year old Hebrew manuscript. Sure, you got an original you're translating into English. Let's see what else it says here. About to jump out at you. You ready for this? Faithfully translated from the original Hebrew into English. Then it quotes the verses here. Is it not written in the book of Jasher, Joshua, and they have the verse here. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher, 2 Samuel. Now look at what it says next. Salt Lake City, published by J.H. Perry and Company, 1887. Did anybody catch that? You catch it? Let me read it for you again. Salt Lake City, published by J.H. Perry and Company, 1887. Did you catch it this time? Okay, I'm going to do it one more time. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. What's in Salt Lake City? Who runs Salt Lake City? Who runs this publishing house called J.H. Perry and Company? The Mormon Church. This book of Jasher is from the Mormon Church. And it's supposed to be in my Christian Bible? Look it up, folks. J.H. Perry and Company is a Mormon publishing house. They came out with their own book and called it Book of Jasher. Let me show you what else they wrote on here. As they give themselves away. Put it on the screen, please. This is one of the apocryphal books of Jasher. There are several, as many as five separate works by this title. At least five different versions of a book of Jasher, calling themselves Book of Jasher. All composed much later than biblical times. 
So these book of Jashers were written after the Bible had finished being written. After the last period was put at the end of the book of Revelation. Then people started writing books called book of Jasher. So it couldn't be the book of Jasher mentioned all the way in the Old Testament on the left hand side of the Bible. They waited till the Bible was finished. Then they started writing books and calling them book of Jasher. And they're admitting here there's at least five different versions of this thing. Look at what else it says here. This particular one is a translation of a Hebrew book printed in 1613. So this book of Jasher is from 1613. The book of Jasher in here is from B.C., But they said here, the book of Jasher referred to in Joshua and 2 Samuel. They're leading you to believe that this they put here, that they put links on it so you can read it. They're leading you to believe with the introduction that this is what's talked about in here. And then when you read the paragraph below, they said, well, actually, uh, we actually uh, translated this from a, a book from the 1600s. You're going to find a bit more about the book of Jasher. Sapir Hayashur, the Hebrew title of this book, means the book of the upright or the upright or correct record. So the book of Jasher has at least three more different names, not to mention at least five different versions that contradict that were written after biblical times. It cannot be the book of Jasher mentioned in this Bible. All of these that are calling themselves book of Jasher are fakes. They don't have the original book of Jasher anymore. It was just a history book. It was never preserved. Look at what it says here. The title was misread as Jasher. And at some point, Jasher was treated as a proper name. However, the pronoun the, Hebrew ha, never precedes proper names. There is also another spurious book of Jasper published in 1750 in which Jasher is treated as the name of the author. This text covers much of the same ground as the traditional Mosaic books in the Bible from the creation of the world to the death of Moses, albeit with several minor variations. But they never tell you where. This is not the book of Jasher mentioned in the Bible. They're acknowledging to you that these books calling themselves Book of Jasher today is from the 1600s to 1700s. None of these are B.C. translations from the early days. These are all modern books that are using the name Book of Jasher to help the publishing houses get paid. They're fakes. They're phonies. They're written in such a way to make it sound like Bible. 
but they were written after the Bible was already finished. That's why they sound like Bible. You're able to go back in and say, okay, the Bible reads in, in this kind of form, in this kind of style, so I'm going to write a book that sounds like that style. That's what the book of Enoch is. It's written in a biblical sounding style. And they put Enoch's name on it and people fell for it. This here is a fake, a fraud, a phony. The Mormon church admits it's a fake and a fraud and a phony and they print it anyway. I want to show you something so we can understand this issue of the book of this and the book of that. There's no book called the Book of Moses, is it? No, no book called the Book of Moses, right? Are you sure? You sure there's no book called the Book of Moses? There is a book called the Book of Moses. It's in the Bible. There's a book called the Book of Moses, and it's in the Bible. It's called the Book of Moses. But I'm going to show you what it is. Watch. Open your King James Bible to the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 26. Listen to what it says. Mark chapter 12, verse 26. And as touching the dead, that they rise, have ye not read in the book of Moses? How in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Let me read that again. As touching the dead, that they rise, have ye not read in the book of Moses? There's no book called the book of Moses. But what book of the Bible talks about God talking to Moses through the burning bush? Exodus. So Exodus was called the book of Moses. But there is no book called the book of Moses. It was just another name for the book of Exodus. When you have a King James Bible, you can understand these things. The new Bible versions are going to change these things to make it harder for you to understand. <laughs> 